0: Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Wade In, recording on this Monday morning as always with Tony Calvin and Kevin Blake. We're going to be looking back, we're going to be looking forward and covering all the big news stories from the racing world in the last seven days. Plenty to get stuck into, but without further ado, we have to wish a very happy birthday to Kevin Blake. How are you, Kevin? Yeah, you?
1: there you go. I am um, I believe I'm about 37 today, so there you go. 37. Thanks very much.
2: But his hair's only two years old.
0: <laughs> I'm born and bred in red, Turkey. Uh, yeah, I think
1: if uh, I think if there was a, if there was a line spread on my age, I think I'd, I'd be, the, 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 the sellers would, uh,
2: <laughs> would be a clover. I would, have, I would have gone lower than thirty-seven. I must admit. Would Jeez. you?
1: Thank, thanks yeah. very much. <laughs> oh,
0: goodness, not for me. But anyway, what about you, T.C.? How are you?
2: Yeah, all good. Yeah. yeah.
0: Good, good. Uh, gonna,
2: don't worry, I'm not gonna guess your age, Vanessa.
0: Thank you. Thank you very much. Because that would be rude, TC, obviously.
2: Um, <laughs> Nothing worse that a man can do, guess a woman's age. Just don't no, do I
0: know. If ever I ask somebody to guess my age, they always get it wrong and it's always in a negative sense. So that's that. Let's not go any further down that rabbit hole. Um, this is our first week of footsteps to the festival, because of course, from now until March, we will be building up to the Cheltenham Festival on this show using our little section called Footsteps in the Festival, where we'll be covering each of the day's racing and hopefully putting up some anti-post bets in the process, pointing the direction of some winners and at decent prices too. But before we get stuck into Footsteps in the Festival, we need to do our review section from the weekend just gone. Not an overly lively weekend of racing in terms of, you know, wasn't relentless top-class action, but... Some very good performances to cover, Kev. We're gonna start with Love Envoy winning at Sandown. Uh, she's now been cut from to from seven to one to four to one for the Mayor's Hurdle at the Cheltenham Festival. And she's just such a likable mare, isn't she? How can you not love her?
1: She was really good, Vanessa. Yeah, yeah, I was impressed by her. Um, more impressed by her than I have ever been, to be honest. Uh, like she should be going for the champion hurdle, really. <laughs> <laughs> to be perfectly honest like they, I don't think two and a half miles is really her trip, like they're never ever going quick enough for her here um, over two and a half, she's ended up kind of pulling her way to the front there a long way from home and uh, has just bolted up jump really well um, like she's a champion hurdle mare really, um, now would she be Constitution Hill? Probably not, but that's the race she should be in if, if the other race didn't exist there'd be no question where she'd be going uh, much like Marie's Rock Um you know, I, I i think she I think she's a very good mare, and um, if she were given the opportunity at a Grade One level down to two miles, I suspect she'd quit herself very well. But um, probably not going to do that because they have the the city mayor's hurdle. But there you go. Um, very impressed by her. Great weekend for for connections for for Noel, Noel Feely's Racing Club. Um, a, a rare double there, so we'll, we'll give them the plug. They certainly earned it. a Cross as well, and um, yeah, love Envoy. Very impressed by her, to be honest. Yeah.
0: Uh, TC, do you concur with Kev's thoughts that this is a mare that should, in another world, if we didn't have these mares races, be going to the Champion Hurdle?
2: No, she would have a prayer in it, would she? Um, mm-hmm. No, she'd probably have had about fifty, sixty six to one chance, wouldn't she? If she's confirmed for the race, well, well, this year's distorted, isn't it? But yeah, I mean, there's there's probably um, there's probably yeah, an opinion that she needs very deep ground, and she did get some of these stuff by Brandy Love on ground that wasn't that deep uh Two and, and a half miles. What right Two and a half miles.
1: Don't think you're don't think you're really suited All right. Even though she, even though she's won over it a few times.
2: Yeah. Um but no, and obviously very impressed. And obviously that division's been shaken up a little bit with the honeysuckle news that it's going to be the champion hurdle for nothing after after the DRF. So um yeah I mean that mayor's hurdle's got a lot of depth to it, isn't it? As as Kev said. Marie's Rock. People just say Marie's Rock, they just said more people actually say stayers rather than champion for Marie's Rock, but um, yeah, it's it's a very it's a it's a very very good race. Unfortunately, the Mayor's Hurdle wasn't it, and yeah, and she's a she's a major contender. I think she's five to one second favourite on the exchange, and I wouldn't quibble with that.
0: Okay. Well, yeah, for,
1: for clarity, I've I've just before the the people get annoyed, I have no issue with the Mayor's program. I just have an issue with a Grade One at Cheltenham, where Grade One winners can run can run in. Yeah, it wouldn't be for me. Never has been.
0: Tamara, so we're going to cover winning obviously the Tolworth, but we're going to cover that in our footsteps of the festival section because that'll all be encompassing in the Supreme chat, so just pause with that for a second. That was obviously the second leg of the excellent double for the Noel Racing Club, um, but let's move on to the Tell Me Something Girl won her beginners second time of asking at NACE. She's unchanged for the Mayor's Chase at 14-1 to and might be a more likely contender for the Mayor's Hurdle. Obviously she won the Mayor's Novices Hurdle in 2021. This was a bit of a war of attrition at Nace not exactly enjoyable viewing only two finishes from only four starters Kevin and scrappy jumping from all at times including the winner
1: yeah I wasn't unimpressive around the jumping you, you couldn't say she looks um completely natural look could it come with experience maybe so but you know you have to remember that she's come from a point-to-point background she's been jumping fences years and years and years ago So if it's not quite happening for her now, you'd be a little bit concerned about her ability to jump well enough to show how good she is over fences up at a higher level. And in fairness, like we know she's very good. Like she, she, um, was very good in the mayor's novice that time. And, you know, she's been a little bit hit and miss since, but, um, like, like she's, she's a talented mayor. And I just don't know. When you have the option of, you know, when you have, I suppose, an easy way out and uh, and come back over hurdles to do something that you know she does quite well, um, that'll be an option. Her connections are confronted with, um, you know, she's taken, she's lost her novice status now, but she doesn't doesn't really matter in the scheme of things. And yeah, they'll have some thinking to do. It'll be interesting to see what way they want to go. Like if you want to, if you if you're thinking you want to come back over hurdles and you're thinking the mayor's hurdles where you want to go. My inclination would be give her a run over hurdles beforehand. I don't think reverting back from, from fences to hurdles on you know on your biggest day is necessarily optimal. I think having a start over hurdles just to get resharpened. Um, prior to Cheltenham would be my preference if you're thinking that way. But um connections were making mixed noises. Um, you know, there was a, a thought that they would persevere over fences. So we'll see. The next start will be key. Um, but this wouldn't have inspired loads of confidence in her. Kind of, you know, medium short medium term.
0: Just, just um, looking at fence. that, she won't beat Scarlet and Dove anyway in the Mares Chase, will she?
1: Well, she probably won't beat the others we've talked about in the mayor's herd leader, but you, you know <laughs> you can't be you can't be running away all your life, lads.
2: Jesus. <laughs> I think I think she's sixteen. Obviously, you can't have a bet at the moment because obviously you don't know where she's going to go. But Sportsbook is sixteen's for the for the mayor's hurdle, and even though it's got a lot of depth, obviously it's lost honeysuckle. Well, we think so anyway. Uh, I hope so. but. Yeah, I mean that. That's Thank God, I wouldn't be laying sixteens myself. I mean, you go back and obviously she won the mayor's novice hurdle in ridiculously impressive fashion. I went back this morning and, and had a look at the way she was going when she was brought down in the mayor's hurdle two out last year, I and mean, she was still. It's too early to tell, but she was still tanking along when she got to, when she got taken down. So yeah, I mean, I'd be inclined to go back over hurdles with her. I wasn't I wasn't impressed by her. Um, in what was in a very small field and very deep ground, uh, admittedly, uh, yesterday. Yeah, I'd I'd probably go back to the hurdles, even though it's, like, as we've already said, it's quite a deep race this year.
0: Okay. And just just before
1: we we kick on, Vanessa, just in the interest of fairness and balance and everything else, we we do plenty of digging at British National Hunt Racing there about competitiveness and field sizes and everything else. Um, Jeez, Ireland wouldn't have been setting you a light recently either, in fairness. Um, Go with with a two-runner, grade two at Limerick over Christmas. You know, uh, Nace wasn't super in the competitiveness terms. Um, like the exact same problems are there in Irish national Auto racing that are there in British national Auto racing. It's just the the cracks are plastered over a bit more in Ireland because there's so much horsepower there and that the, the big trainers, you know, pretty much have to run their horses against each other. So it, it kind of, it, 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 um, it blurs, the issues a little bit but those issues are still very much there and you know the same the same sort of pruning that we're always talking about with british national racing wouldn't be amiss miss in, in ireland either
0: okay like it fair and balanced arguments as always please on this show um let's move on to footsteps of the festival because obviously we've got champ kylie and the lawless um, at NACE to talk about and the aforementioned tamaras winning the tollworth as well but let's combine it all into the supreme because that's the race that we'll start with week one of footsteps of the festival first race on the tuesday at the supreme Fas vega 8 to 11 with the sports book even money on the exchange next best 11 to two marine National tamaras in there at tens from 33s after winning the tollworth rare edition at 12s and high definition and the likes in there at, well high definition is 20 to one Um, boys, let's incorporate those two horses that won the grade ones in the novice hurdling division. Now in this section, I'll start with you, TC. How do you look at the Supreme market as things stand right now? How are you tackling it when you look at it with such a short price favourite at the top? I've
2: I've just checked my exchange uh, position. I've I've laid Fasel Vega at an average of 2.24 and he's currently uh, about 2.18. So it's pretty much the, I've laid it at a current market price and I'm very happy with that. Um, you know, people might kind of like scoff and laugh at it, but the champion bumper form just hasn't really worked out particularly well. Um, albeit, all for ride speed, the fifth in that race, you scope badly and in the Tomworth we'll come to that that race in a moment. But yeah, it's just ridiculously short, isn't it? I mean, he's been given, he's gone from the front, he's won at two to nine and, and nine's on. Um, the biggest threat to him so far ashro diamond wasn't put in the race last time you beat 137 rated horse in eletate tom so you can't rate it that highly to beat your four lengths off levels uh, i was actually quite impressed by the performance but everything's you have to is in conjunction with the price and you know the, the fixed fixed odds price is laughable i think the five uh, the, the six to five on the exchange is, is far too short as well so yeah it brings everything else into the mix obviously we don't Willie Mullins kind of like dictates where the lights of Impair and Passe will go. That's going for the Moscow Flyer. So that's coming back to two miles. That's a that's there. High definition, um, yeah, that's that's a that's a you know, that that's a factor. We won't see Marine Nationale, whose form ties in with Champ Kylie and and the like, um, an Irish point from from the weekend. So we're not gonna see that one until the festival. No, the one I I put up last week and ridiculously it's still 25s in the place it's generally 16s 14s and 12s but it's rare edition it's um even after that tamura's performance i think rare edition brings the best time and form credentials to the stables to the to the race from the uk uh yeah and still 20 to one plus on the exchange rare edition um that's the way i'd go in the race and i still would and like i said i'd probably back win only on exchange and it's a little bit worrying that charlie longston said recently that they're gonna give him a Ballymore entry, yawn, um, <laughs> and they might go and they might go to the Sydney Banks, which is over an extended two mile three. So, unfortunately, if he goes and wins well there, showing oodles of stamina, which I think he has got as well as pace, then that's that could uh, you know that could be you could be that could be really uh, a, a bit of a blow. But um, you know, like I said, Shishkin came back from winning that. Um, That Sydney bounce at Huntington to to win the Supreme. So hopefully that's the kind of route they're thinking of. But yeah, rare addition for me. Uh, I just hope they go down the two-mile route because it doesn't look a deep race so far.
0: Okay. Yeah, but you know
1: what your enemy is, TC? Like, and it's the same with the Supreme as it's going to be for the Arkle and others. Like it's when you have these big, these big fancy favorites and you have they they have alternative options. Like a lot of a lot of fellas are just going to duck and dive. You know, the, the Ballymore just doesn't look deep and really and truly, like, I, I, I'll never be convinced. And I, I made, I've made i made the mistake many times over the years and I keep saying at the beginning of every season, don't keep making that mistake. Like, I really don't think there's a very big functional difference between two miles and two and a half miles, be it over hurdles or fences. Like, I, I don't really think it's a big deal for, for, for high-level horses. And, you know, when they, when they have the option of ducking one that looks very good. And I'm with you with Fasal Vega like, you, you can't pick at them a bit, but again, yeah. I think I mentioned it last week. Like, you look at Willie's last few Supreme Novice winners, like Appreciated, Dovan, Vautour, and go back and look at their couple of runs before Cheltenham. Like, they were winning and they were good, but they weren't great. But they went to Cheltenham and they were great. Yeah. You know, they, they just lifted the whole thing. And I I I think I, said, like I, just, I, I could easily, if this was five or six years ago, I, I'd be certain that I'd be looking at the Supreme looking to take on Fasal Vega all day, you know, trying to take him on, look for something to oppose him with. And I just don't know if I want to make that mistake again because I just, I, I get every impression the way they're riding him and everything else that he's been trained to peak in March and he'll just go and win more than likely. Um, look, that's not to say we can't look for one each way against them potentially. You know, ultimately, if if you if you if you go at one at 20 to do 1 each way and it hits the frame, you know, you're probably doing better off than you will be back in Faso Vega for the same stake, you know. Yeah. Um, like Marine National, I've talked about him. He's he's a horse I like a lot. I don't necessarily like the fact that they're going um the old STC straight to Cheltenham um, because I think his jumping still has room for improvement. Look, you can understand why they're doing it from a conditioning point of view. He's been on the goal for quite some time and I, I can understand why, but experience wise, I'd love to see another run in him. Um, his form got a bit of a boost yesterday. Um, we'll talk about the Lawlers like, God, how frustrating was that? You know, 30 seconds before the off four less hurdles.
0: And so you know, many of those horses dis well, you know. I think specifically the second disadvantage by the lack of hurdles, it's hard to take that form and really be able to call it concrete. It
1: changes the complexion of the whole thing. Like four less hurdles, that and you know, you know, a run-in of four furlongs plus, it, it's it's frustrating. And look, people say, oh, they can, not you know, they can't see. I've said it in recent weeks. They don't omit obstacles in France ever. And well, you like,
0: made the point to me um, on this podcast when TCL, you really made a valid point when you asked me, when you go eventing, do you ever when it gets to the low sun, when you're in three day eventing and you go and jump across country course, the amount of times you go across country and you're in the setting sun and it's exactly the same situation. There's never an omitted fence ever.
1: Yeah, man. And there's, there's been some David Jennings wrote about it the other day as well, suggesting that maybe we can be a bit proactive with our race times. To try and avoid this type of thing, you know, put the, put the big races on a bit later. Maybe, you know, you can do that, but I, I think we need to kind of confront this head on and do something because it's just, it's deeply, deeply frustrating, you know, from, from a punter's point of view, from, from everyone's point of view, connections point of view. If you have a really good jumper there, um, you know, it, it changes the complexion, the, the makeup of the race. It, it would like if you, it'd be fascinating exercise. Like it, it's, it's difficult to do, but if, um, it'd be fascinating if you announced, you know, five minutes before the off, ten minutes before the off. That right, there's going to be four less hurdles jumped here, and let gave the gave the market a chance to adjust properly to yeah. see how it would account how it would account for that new information. Generally, it comes too late for that to happen properly. But um, like, I I can't take this form too literally. No, um, Champ Kylie was very good. I think they found out the way to ride him now. Um, they rode him back in the Royal Bond, and he he was just too aggressive. Um, they they made the running here. He looked much happier in front. His jumping was good. Note he, he was he was out to his right the whole way. Not badly, but but it was a thing. And Cheltenham um, is a track that'll that'll show that up more than the nace does um for me I, I saw plenty of people making a case for irish point potentially reversing the form um couldn't see it myself um for me i thought champ Kiley was bone idle all the way down the straight and was always in control um irish point like if you pause at three furlongs out like irish point is literally on champ Kiley's tail um and champ put him away with, with plenty to spare for me um irish point had got a bit of a got a bit of the old m&m ride uh, around the outside around the outside he was got a tree wide no cover the whole way which wasn't ideal but yeah if if these were rematching anytime in the near future I, i'd be you know i'd be thinking champ would should uh should uphold it um
0: okay but yeah
1: yeah should sure, look what, what else what else you know a high definition we've spoken about him before you know i think he's um, he, he's a bit of an insulting price. I have this, again, there seems to be this persisting notion that he's going to go up and trip. Um, I, I'd be amazed if, if he does go up and trip. Um, myself, um, look, we'll learn more about him at the Dublin Racing Festival um, in terms of how how he lays into these top novices. You know, whether his jumping will will come forward. But again, I, I would, as I said after the review, I don't think his jumping was was bad at all. It was just a bit right. His technique was fundamentally fine. And he showed a good appetite for it, so I'd be hoping you'd see a more and um, polished and straighter performance from him when he gets a lead, um, which hopefully he will do um, in the Grade One uh, in in a couple of weeks. Uh, and so yeah, the, go do ahead. You
0: have, do you have a selection for the race? Is really the big question here. Well, so look, high, high
1: definition is the overpriced one. There, there's okay, no question. Okay. There's no question about that in my mind. But <laughs> I think that if you if we we're fast forwarding eight weeks. And you're asking me for my final answer. Like I don't think I'm gonna be, I certainly wouldn't be
2: laying fast over there. Sorry, okay. TC. I
0: mean, I um <laughs> No, it's like say, look,
2: it's we've got nine weeks to go. The horse yeah. has to get there, and he's still and he's still the price he is. If he's that price on the day, then fine. But you've still got two months to get there. And we've seen horses fall by the wayside. I mean I mean, we we've got obviously we had a grade one winner in Tamuras um uh on Saturday. I mean. I I get these nickels novice hurdlers wrong. I've I've got all these Grade One winners wrong this season, and although I wasn't massively against it, and I didn't have a a massive opinion in the race, but um, you'd have to improve a fair bit on that sandown form to actually kind of like go and win a go and win a supreme. But.
0: I think there's a few horses in here at the wrong price, and Tamoris at 10 to 1 is the wrong. I think he's too short on what he's done so far. Like that with hurdle fell apart. You've got authorized speed making mistakes all the time. He didn't put his best foot forward. Um, yeah. There was some scrappy jumping throughout. I just don't think. Oh, and of course, um, you know, the hemorrhage force, the head horse, mm-hmm. ar- Arctic Brazil, not not showing up at all. I mean, he wasn't at the races at all. And we got two good questions in regards to him from James and also Gary Kelly, both of them flagging up that the likes of a Plutard, Envoy Allen and now Arctic Brazil have traveled to the UK for the Henry de Bromhead team and not run to expectations. Is that coincidence or is there some sort of problem? Should we be worried about the yard? I mean, if that continues, I don't know how many more Henry de Bromhead horses we're going to see over here between now and Cheltenham, probably not very many, but I think punters will be keeping that in the back of their minds. That that those horses have let essentially let punters down in their runs over here in the UK so all in all that Toll with hurdle form I don't know about that and I thought that was very short about Tamaris on what he's done yeah
2: but I'd probably be kind of like tend to agree but I looked at that race in depth this morning there's not many you can fancy I mean so I wouldn't you know he is unbeaten over hurdles and he is going forward he is a grade one winner but I think that does need improving on but yeah, I, I went through that race and the only one I could think of is a horse that probably it, it actually, she would have started favorite for the Tollworth, uh, but for scoping badly during the week. And Lucio is, is quite interesting, but again, can you back that horse net? Cause they were making Supreme vibes before running in the Tollworth, before she got taken out there. Mm. I just went back and had a look at the Supreme with, with the sex allowance. Um, you know, I have to go back to the lights of light of uh, like a butterfly and stuff for, you know, for a, uh, a filly or a mayor to go and win the supreme like that. I thought Lucia was quite interesting, but again, you can't really back it. I mean, there's not many in that race, so
0: okay. maybe I've got
2: it wrong. Thanks to Passover at five to four, but
0: let's move on let's move on some bigger price fancies from the boys there for the Supreme and some horses that we feel might be the wrong price at the moment anyway um, let's move on of course to the Arkel second race on the Tuesday and John Bond we've got another short price favourite in this John Bond 6-4 at the head of the market JP McManus obviously Nicky Henderson and co Dysart Dynamo next best at 7-2 to two. El Fabiolo at 9-2 to two. Appreciate it 13-2 to two. he won at Nace at the weekend and um, not sure what we made of that performance Kev you can take off with the Arkle chat and start with appreciate it at Nace please um short very short price did what he had to do didn't
1: he yeah look it's your kind of only conceivable rival um you know fell and, and was killed unfortunately and top bandit and commiserations to his connections and of course Jack Kennedy injured as well so um not great but look appreciate it did his thing um look we, we know he's, he's a very good horse um, his transition defenses has been quite smooth um, I know there's been an awful lot of chat about you know which one of these Willie horses is going to go up and trip because one assumes like you look at the, the current market for the arkle you've got John Bond and then you've got four Willie Mullins horses um, and there's kind of a widespread assumption that at least one of these will go up and trip and you know if I, I, I thought appreciated his, his style of jumping and what we know about his form you know I, I'd be perfectly happy with him at two and a half miles if that's what they decided to do. Um, like he's he's always looked like one that would be fine um over further. Jeez, she, he won a bumper over two and a half miles back back in the day, and you know? also again, like I, any of these horses could probably do it, but I think he his style of jumping would be would be particularly well suited to it. He's 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 measured and clever and um, I think he'd be well able to do do, to do that trip if, if asked. Um, but look, John Bond, again, he's going to be another one. It's going to be the real theme of Cheltenham this year. You know, I know it's nine weeks away, that's going to happen. But I think there's just going to be a whole bunch of kind of lay or play horses. Mm-hmm. Um, we've already talked about one with Fassar Vega. This fella's is going to be another one. And um, like it's hard to throw a stone at him, really, isn't it? Like his jumping technique has, has been very good. Like I'm, I'm, looking at my notes here. Like neat, efficient, clever, scopy. You know, shade left places. That's the, that's the only thing I can pick out pick out him with. He's been very, very good. And again, we know from his hurdle form that he's very, very talented. And there's every reason to believe that he's going to be um you know a a bit better as a chaser, potentially a nice bit better. So look, he sets a high bar. Um, if you wanted one at a bigger price, you know, I wouldn't be giving up on Phil door Um, obviously disappointing to get beaten by by Sam Wat last time, having you know beaten him very well at Navan, but you know, there was a viable reason. He made a horrendous mistake, three out. And then I'd say if Jack Kennedy could have his time again, he he wouldn't have asked him for effort, kind of asked him to make up that ground again so quickly. I think he just probably burst him a little bit doing that and paid the price for it late on. Um, and I just can't get how impressive he was at, at Navin out of my mind. I know his weight for age is going to be reducing um, with each passing month, but um, I thought it was, a, it was a big reaction from the the market that to push him out the twenties and I'd still have him on my mind. And I don't forget about Banbridge. Um, he's going to be dropping in trip um, for at the Dublin racing festival. And one assumes he'll get better ground there than he did a fairy house when the rain arrived and absolutely bogged them down. So, don't be shocked if he puts himself back in the mix at Leopardstown, hopefully.
0: Okay, a couple of bigger price horses or maybe overlooked in the market anyway from Kevin. What about you, TC? Is Don Bon beatable in the Arkham?
2: Oh, for sure, beatable, but uh, he's around about seven to four on the exchange and I wouldn't be laying him at that price. Um, I wouldn't say I was a non-believer going into Sandown, but I came out of there massively impressed by that performance Right. You know, Bootheal's given it a you know a a, a franc of sorts the form, need By by winning at Kempton. Uh, I just thought the way he did it uh, at Sandam marked him out as by far the most likely winner at the Arkle at this stage. I mean, it's interesting. I mean, Willie's got El Fabiolo, Appreciate It, and Dice Art Dynamo there. And if you go and have a look at an odd checker, there's all the all the firms have got. Um, differences of opinion about how they sit in the in the hierarchy at Willie's and the sportsbook are building against the Appreciate uh, Their top price eleven to two by mile uh, sportsbook, and they want to be with Dysart Dynamo, who they've got who sixes elsewhere, but there's only seven two in the sportsbook. I would probably, given the manner of his win, um, I'd probably be with Dysart Dynamo out of the at the Willie's three um, I don't. I think. I don't think he'll it will be stepping up in trip, um, this one. Uh, so I think you might get a run for your money, famous last words with Willie, But yeah, I'd probably be in the Dice Art Dynamo camp of the Willie spree uh, around about sixes on the exchange. But no, it's it's one of the races where I think I wouldn't be in a mad rush to uh, to oppose the favourite. And I thought 74 in the exchange for John Bond was very fair. Okay. Yeah, so look, we, well, better, we, race... have, we better
1: mention, sorry, Vanessa, so we better mention Fabiola because like, ultimately he... He, he ran John bomb to a neck on his, you know, you know I, yeah. relatively, relatively inexperienced, you know, back at entry And, I, like, there was loads of stones thrown at his chasing debut, um jumping-wise. But, like, watching the back, like, it actually wasn't that bad at mm. all. You know, I thought he was a bit back-end high at times. And, he, like, he made, clearly made a mistake at the second last. But, like, I didn't think it was that bad. And, like, on the clock, it was good. For the like, bare form, it looks good. Um, and again, like that's the thing about these novice chases, you, you're dealing with more information. And we know he's a very good horse, we know he was right on top of John Bononi, only, you know, whatever it was nine months ago. Um, and you, you wouldn't want to judge him too harshly based on that chasing debut, I think. Um, you know, would, would they have trip options with him? Maybe, but he's probably one of the lesser likely ones. I'd agree with TC. A dice dynamo would be the least likely to go up and trip, I suspect. Um, but I wouldn't be forgetting about El Fabiolo either. And if, um, you know, it was funny watching social, watching the social media after that race. I saw the social media reaction before I saw the race, and um, everyone was taking the mic of his jumping. But when you actually go and look at it, I, I don't think his technique was, was that bad, by a couple of little lapses in concentration.
0: Yeah, that's a fair comment, and it's another example of just social media not always being the like be-all-and-end-all voice that people seem to think it is. Uh, who'd have thought? Who'd have thought? Exactly. Who'd have thought? Um, let's move on to the Champion Hurdle. Same rules apply. Another short price favourite. This time, the shortest price favourite in. Is it? Is this right in Champion Hurdle history? Is that what we're expecting him to go off on could, the day? eleven. Well yeah, he's four to 11 at the moment. Uh, 4 That's Constitution Hill, of course. Four to one statement, next best, Honeysuckle. It's this or retirement, according to Connections. She is eight to one, Vauban, eight to one, 33s bar. And the without market looks like this. It's four to six statement at the top of the market, seven to two, Honeysuckle, without Constitution Hill. Same price, Vauban, of course, and 10 to one bar. So... Again, the—I mean—I don't think anyone is try is wants or can foresee Constitution Hill being beaten. So I don't think the question is, wh- "Does he just win?" Because I think he does. So in which case, what horses offer value behind him, Kevin Blake? Silence.
1: Tricky one because it, it's 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 a reasonably well-formed mark this stage already, isn't it? Like like we talked about the Vauban-Stateman thing. Like a, a lot of people seem to think that Vauban would, would have good prospects of reversing it with State Man in the future, and you can see the case. He's, he's you know he's a five-year-old. He's still learning. Shaped very well. It was clearly taught to be in need of the run at Leopardstown's Christmas meeting. But um, you know, for me, State Man was 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 well on top of him. Um, you know, we might get to see it again in the Irish Champion Hurdle come February before we get on to Cheltenham. But I think State Man probably holds the aces at the minute. Like Honeysuckle, I'm delighted that they've said that now. I think it would have been, it, it wouldn't have been a good thing for her to to you know potentially finish her career in, in the Mayor's Hurdle. You know, send her in there, and if she goes out on, on her shield, so be it. Um, but you know, when you when you when you're a two-time champion hurdle winner, you. Come on, that's. Um, yeah. but look, Constitution Hill, yeah, it's yeah, yeah, it's, and it, it, what a game this is. Like we 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 get one of potentially one of the greatest hurdlers of all time. And we we you know, we're not talking about it with great excitement or anticipation because it's just it looks like such a formality on paper, you know.
0: It's, okay, okay, let me reframe it. What do we want to see from the champion hurdle? This is what I want to see, right? Yeah. I want to see. Constitution he'll win it and win it impressively, but I want there to be a moment in the race where Richard Hoyles calls there to be at least a glimmer of a challenge. And I think that channel, challenge will come from Honeysuckle. Oh, Getting to Met. Getting to nice. Met. Yeah, getting the mayor's allowance. I think there'll be a glimmer of a worry that Honeysuckle is about to burst the bubble. I think Constitution will kick clear up the hill and win in really decent fashion, but that's how I envisage it playing out. So if I was to call a one, two, three, I would go Constitution Hill, Honeysuckle chasing him home at that price of whatever she is now, eight to one, and then a much bigger priced horse in third place, like, you know, an old boy charger rattling home to place again. That's how I could see. be.
1: You could. You could be scuppered before before you start, though, Vanessa, because yeah. there is a possibility that honeysuckle goes to Leopardstown and gets beat again, and they decide to leave it at that. Like yeah, that, that, ha- that, that. That could happen. That could happen, which so, would clearly be a giant anticlimax. Well, not a giant anticlimax, but it would be a bit disappointing.
0: So that's how I well okay let's let like, let's just try and hope the best, Kevin, on this show. Let's try and be optimistic. That's how I would like and foresee the race panning out in my head. What about UTC? Tell me who the one, two, three is going to be. Uh,
2: I had a look at the race today. i look at I've looked at both markets. I focused amazing on the without market because Constitution Hill just will win. Okay, uh, turning up. Yeah, I don't see any value in the race at all. Um, because Constitution Hill, if he gets there on the day, I think you're probably going to be forwards on max. So, if anybody's backing the likes of state man at fours and five to one now, they're going to be sitting on a very, very bad bet. Um, the one I probably like most without is is a horse that's probably going to go to the mayor's hurdle, and that's Epiton. Uh, Epiton, um, no, we know her body of work at Children. No, no. We know her body of work in the Champion Hurdle. Mayor's hurdle. It's as, big as, it's as big as 20s uh, without in the Champion Hurdle. And I don't think the State Man Vauban form deserves them to be dominating that market. I mean, State yeah. band's four to six without, but if you go on the exchange, you, you'll get five to four for State band. And I think that's that's right for a reason. now I think, you know, there so are some races where, where, from a betting point of view, they're pretty much dead and buried into the day until you know, or twenty-four hours, uh, forty-eight hours beforehand. You know what's running, so no. It's to me, it's it's a no bet race. I hope Constitution Hill wins by twenty-five lengths and put Mm -hmm. put up to one ninety. But Mm -hmm. yeah, uh, other than that, nobody's going to say anything new about Constitution Hill before Cheltenham. So in that was in that respect, I'm just happy to let the race wash over me and and wait to the day.
0: I think the next step then, given uh, uh, what you've both said, is we really want and hope that Honeysuckle comes out and wins or runs a belter at the Dublin Racing Festival. That's the box we next need to be ticked for the champion hurdle to be the race we want it to be. So fingers crossed that happens in, what is it, three and a half weeks' time? Not long at all, really. So, um, But even,
1: even if she wins, though, Vanessa like it's not going to make the champion hurdle a brilliantly anticipated race like Pontius town last april would have been an anticipated race um but all the joy's been sucked out of it now because we know how good cast this is you're not going is. back there look
0: i you know, look i know what i know what you're saying but for the race itself, we need her to win at the Dublin Racing Festival. Yeah, for I know sure. what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It's not and look I think
1: that. Jesus, I know I know it's 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 everything's about perspective and yeah, you have to frame everything within the context the Constitution Hill is, is clearly brilliant. And one of the better ones we possibly one of the best ones we've seen for a long time. Like, but you look at Stateman, like and like he's been he's unbeaten in his last five. You know, winning you know three of the last three grade ones. Like he brings a very strong, um, a, a very strong set of credentials forward with him. But it's just in the context of Constitution Hill. Like, if Constitution Hill wasn't there, right, for argument's sake. You know this the whole building to to stateman versus honeysuckle would have it, its its own share of excitement you know um but we've got this this absolute freak that's just you know a stone better than everything seemingly um that's kind of distorting the picture and look we have to celebrate and we have to enjoy it because a horse like him is very rare but um these these as well we see we've often seen it you know these brilliant ones they can the spectacle can be the spectacle the spectacle can be a victim of their brilliance if you know what I mean Mm. Um, because it's just it's hard to get excited about one that's so far clear of the rest for all their brilliance but um, that's me that's me with my pessimistic national hunt head on which you see a lot of over the winter months
0: (laughs) (laughs) you are Mr. Pessimistic on the show look that wraps up week one of Footsteps to the Festival the main races on day one done and dusted at this anti-post stage of course we will be picking up all those threads again as we build up to the big week in March so stay tuned for revised opinions probably after the Dublin Racing Festival. Um, Let's move on to news and views section and one of the big news stories that have come out of the racing world this week is of course this story from the bloodstock industry in regards to horses that haven't been paid for at the sales. Essentially Richard Knight, the agent, has signed for well at Tattersall's £11.6 million worth of yearly for an undisclosed client, although the Racing Post has named that client as Salah al hamazi who other, other publications haven't named him, but the Racing Post have. Um, Richard Knight brought these horses for said client. Their horses haven't been paid for. They've gone into pre-training and breaking with Adam Kirby. There is also unpaid debt at Goffs and over in America at Keeneland. Goffs and Keeneland haven't commented on this, but Tattersalls have and released, well, sent out an email on Friday, re-offering the yearlings for sale, sent the email out to all buyers from book one. So the horses are up for grabs again, essentially. It's a mess of a situation. It brings to light the lack of transparency again in the bloodstock world, which is disappointing in regards to the fact that this is an industry that's already had quite a lot of bad press of late um it is very unfair on richard knight he was obviously told by a client to buy horses that he was believed the client was good for money wise the client hasn't come good and richard knight's name is dragged through the mud his business will suffer kevin there's so many different angles to discuss here but ultimately it's a complete mess
1: yeah, um, look, this this happens occasionally, uh, and you have to say very occasionally like you, you can dig up some comparative cases in the last couple of decades. But th- this is a biggie. Um, this this is a big big one. Um, and it's a little bit different in that when it's happened uh, over the years, that there was a case with Charlie Gordon Watson go back kind of fifteen years ago, where uh, a man that turned out to be a fraudster. Um, you know, sent them forward to buy horses that didn't get paid for. Um, in most of these cases, they're people that are new into the game and, you know, talk and don't deliver. But in this case, this, this is a man that, like, is is well established in the game. You know, he hadn't he'd been quiet for a few years, but he, you know, owned a Derby winner in partnership in authorized. So he's well known, and um, his means are seemingly well established. Like, and look, it's not a case that anyone can walk into an auction and have someone bid on their behalf and buy 20 million worth of horses. That just, you know, doesn't happen. There are checks and um, and guarantees. And um, you know, investigations done to ensure that people are in a position to pay. Um, and that he's gone in, bought these horses, uh, and when it came down to paying, the the money wasn't there. Um, you know that that's down to his personal circumstances. From what I from what I understand, like he's desperately trying to pay and has been, but it's it's just there's obviously problems in in his cash flow, etc. Um, and, and it's a giant mess. It's it's tough uh, extremely tough on Richard Knight it's uh, it's extremely tough on the sales companies involved who are left holding this baby um, you know yearlings that have already been broken in um, now look it's we're still in the first week of January you know we still don't it, 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 no, no you know it'll be highly unlikely that um, Adam Kirby and his team you know w- would have any sort of guidance of what these horses um, are in terms of ability. So look I'm sure they'll they'll get plenty of money back um, in terms of reselling them and um, how they do that whether it's privately or at the sales. Um, is down to themselves we haven't heard how the other sales companies are going to deal with this and look it's not from completely out of the blue you know kind of over a month ago there was whispers doing the rounds of Tattersalls that, that this this man had yet to pay for his horses that he bought at Keeneland and um, Keeneland would have a, a more aggressive policy in terms of payment yeah. Uh, and how they pursue payment, they're extremely aggressive. Like I think they want payment within 15 days and if you don't pay, it's one and a half percent compounding interest per month. Um, So they're extremely aggressive. and look, it's it's a giant mess. It, it's, it's a mess for the game, and um, poor Richard Knights in an awful position. Uh, he'd gone in in good faith on a man w- with a track record in the sport, uh, and he's been let down badly. Um, Tattersells, in fairness, have, have and, and the other sales companies have paid out the vendors, you know, within thirty days, which is the policy. And, uh, and they've yeah, got sorry, a sort of just, this mess just to
0: now. confirm that for anyone who doesn't understand? You know, there's lots of listeners who don't have a hand on yeah. how sales houses work. So, because people will be wondering well, if you haven't been paid for an item that you've sold, then surely the people who are selling it still own it. But that's not the way this works.
1: No, like, to, like really the sales companies almost act as a bank. Um in, in how they function, in that if I sell a horse at any of the major sales houses, I'm expecting payment within 30 days and that, that will arrive. And if I buy a horse at a major auction house, um keenlands a little bit sharper, but um, you know, with, with regard to tatters or goffs, I'm expected to pay within 30 days. Um, like in terms of credit, you know, some, some buyers can go into the sales companies and apply for credit over a longer period. Um, you know, some some buyers might might be held to a tighter line of credit, etc. But typically, it's kind of thirty days, thirty five days, um, and that's the way it works. And it functions perfectly fine in the vast majority of cases. Like some some people, I'm sure, will be listening to this and going, "Jesus, that's that's a heavy, heavy risk for the sales companies to take." Um, can you imagine you know bookmakers operate operating on similar terms you know and in, in, in terms of general customers you know it just wouldn't it just wouldn't happen but that's the way it works in bloodstock and it rarely causes problems but in this case i'm afraid it has caused a giant 20 billion plus problem
0: yeah well we got well tony you got sent some good questions on this one from savage cliff who makes the point that It's a bit of a tongue-in-cheek question, but he essentially makes the point that how is it fair that um, affordability checks have to be done on a punter having a £10 each way bet, yet (laughs) a man can walk into a sales company and buy millions worth pounds worth of bloodstock and no affordability checks being done. It's not quite, as Kevin's explained, that isn't actually the case, but you get where if you're looking in from the outside and you read this article, you must just be thinking along the lines of what Savage Cliff has been thinking. Mike Moore also says, sent us a question he asked um given the sales story breaking yesterday and the fact that adam kirby is now breaking these horses in how much of an unfair advantage does this give someone like a dolphin who adam has history with as he will know which horse is any good and which is a waste of money well as kevin's touched upon you know these horses will literally have been broken in at the back end of last year probably turned away for a little bit of a break or just kept ticking over in a very light light way so i think it's unfair to presume that adam will have a real handle on Anything being a superstar and anything not, but it is a worthwhile question. TC, yeah, what and sure. and the thing,
1: the other thing is Vanessa. Like, a, like a problem could have emerged with a horse between sales oh, time right. and now, with, right. with you know, easily,
0: yeah, you know, yeah, not, not so an good. injury,
1: you know, a, a breathing issue potentially could have come up. Something mechanical could have gone wrong.
0: Not good, like Evan, I am sure that at the seventeen yearlings, Adam Kirby is breaking in. At least one of them, probably likely to be more, there will have been a setback, an issue arise, some sort of health problem. You know that will have happened. So that is a fact yeah. too. You've explained,
2: the, you've explained the situation quite well, but one question I've got. Yeah. Obviously, uh, there's a lot of winners. There's a lot of losers in this. You know, not least the kind of the you know the horses that were bid up. The 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 uh, the, the, the person in question was the underbidder for. But at the end of the day. Who is left holding the twenty million pound baby? Is it the sales company or is it Richard Knight?
0: No, it's the it's the sales company.
2: Right. Yeah. So nobody's so going I think to go after Richard, Richard Knight for the twenty million or or no. the all the, the person who uh, who let him down.
1: No, look, the, you know, when look, there's going to be legal teams involved here, and who knows which way it could go. But it, it would seem highly unlikely, and this is purely speculation that that Richard Knight would be pursued. Um, I think he he had there was an authority to act form signed that allowed richard to work on behalf of the owner um, and one would hope that that would protect him. Um, because like we, like we have said a couple of times like he, he's, he's operating in good faith you know, it's the ultimate nightmare you know, for someone that's, that's bidding on someone else's behalf that this happens uh,
0: let, Let's move on guys because um, the show is rattling on past And for all it's very interesting this topic and there will be more to discuss over the coming weeks I'm sure in regards to this case we do have other things to cover here um, and we've got some good questions as well coming up uh, just a quick note on the drop in attendances this was released um, over just, just into the new year attendance figures on race courses had dropped to a low, essentially, uh, in 2022. A few excuses have been made, TC, but I don't think anyone was particularly shocked by this news, given all the cliches, cost of living, uh, cost of a pint on a race course, cost of a ticket to get in. This didn't shock anyone, did it, that attendances have dropped?
2: No, Scott Burton of the Racing Post came out with a curious one and blamed it on marriages not happening. So I don't know where... don't know where he got that from. Probably an RCA p- plant that he kind of like swallowed hook like and si- uh, hook, line and sinker. Um, now, obviously, it's they dropped below five million for the first time since kind of like records began, and I think it's going to get worse. I mean, the cost of living crisis is, is going to get you know it's going to get a lot uh, a lot more depressing. Um, just a side note to that: obviously, back in June in 2022, the uh, Great British Racing uh funded by the levy board uh launched their everyone's turf campaign
0: mm-hmm. uh
2: and that was that finished in october um and they're going to report back to the levy board in january it may have already happened uh and we're going to get the results of that everyone's turf uh campaign in in january Is going to they've so once they submitted the reports to the funders the levy board they're going to do a public report so we should get, we first should find out if Jermaine Genius and Co have uh, have done the business on on uh, on you uh, know boosting attendances. But uh, yeah, we we should get some meat on the bones about that as well because well, that was obviously the decline in race course attendances was directly linked to them launching that campaign.
0: Can't wait to see the results, TC. I'm sure you're waiting in eager anticipation for that um what about the whip u-turn of sorts i think we're all a little bit bored of this kevin but it's worth just touching upon very briefly uh forehand and backhand position now allowed lower strike rates permitted on both the flat and jump so strike rates dropped but you can use it in the forehand and the backhand position higher penalties remain please can we just settle with this now betting in period starts today i'm so bored about talking about this please yeah. just tell me this is now the beginning of the end
1: um, no, probably not because oh, because yeah, of the yeah. way because of the way they, they've chosen to go about this, I suspect we'll still get whip controversies because, as, as we we talked about at the time, they, they've they've still persisted in after the revisions, they've still persisted with the the limit. You know, is now going to drop to six or seven, but the disqualification threshold is still going to be four strikes above that. So we'll still get cases where um, a winner uh, wins by a short head with eight strikes, you know, gets what would be quite a heavy ban now because the bans have been increased as well for breaches, uh, but they'll get to keep the race. Um, And even if they give a 26 behind the saddle and win a short head, they'll keep the race on the day because in in their wisdom, they've decided to be a J have decided to deal with all this kind of a week after the event. Imagine that happened. Imagine if, and it, hap, it happened in Ireland there a few years ago. A jockey that doesn't get many run, runs out was on one, and he must have hit the old you know, twenty-five times. He just went absolutely bananas. Uh, it got a very, very heavy ban. Like that's a, an unusual case now. But if someone did just completely lose the run of themselves, go way over the disqualification limit, everyone watching the race going, he's clearly getting disqualified. But um. And who knows? Maybe it'd be a gamble. The horse that was a subject of a gamble. Wouldn't that really add extra spice? I know that we're dealing with extreme hypotheticals, but um, yeah. that's the tie, That's the uh, you know less extravagant versions of that we could still be confronted with going forward. So yes, um, I don't. I don't think we've seen off this issue at all, Vanessa. I think there'll be plenty more whip chat over the years. And I personally, I can't wait. I can't get enough of the whip debate. I love it. I it's missed massive, it for the last ten massive, years.
2: Relish it's Massive it. heavy odds on, isn't it? That there'll be. There'll be whip bans. It's just a matter of whether someone's going to go four over. Oh, um, please, it's, please. Uh, like I say, it's someone's going to so, four over, someone's going to know if they have gone four over, and we're going to get the farce of the race being awarded to somebody who, who, they, <laughs> who they know is going to get chucked out the following week or whenever this <laughs> week. Can't wait. Get.
0: Can't and, wait. And, and this, and it's I'm not happy. a
2: million to one, especially,
1: for example, the amateur races at Cheltenham. Like we've seen some flagrant breaches of the rules of the whip rules there over the years you know amateurs you know their big day they don't really give they don't really care about any subsequent ban like it's not a million to one that someone could go
2: more than four over in no, a, a chatham
1: no. festival race at all
2: no, i mentioned you'd it I hope, mentioned you'd hope it, it wouldn't week, happen but
1: it definitely could
2: i mentioned it on the the, the group, uh, group chat last week i mean i was speaking to somebody about he was just saying he thinks it's a uh, he thinks it's an absolute certainty there's going to be whip bands, and he, he said it wouldn't be that surprising someone did go four over because he said there's been some studies about um in the in the heat of battle in the heat of sporting uh events he said you know people do lose their memory he said the, the muscle mass and you know the, the just the the actual kind of like they just get taken over in the moment uh yeah. they do lose counting you do lose kind of like it's senses, like you're just counting a sets like that. I mean, like I say, I think everyone's going to be looking at Cheltenham and just thinking, please, no. <laughs>
1: please imagine please imagine, imagine, imagine no. Ed Chamberlain having to explain that post-race to, you know, a million-plus you know the general racing fans on itv well, that, yeah this horse has won a short head fabulous race but we we can all count he's clearly gone six over he's going to be disqualified lads but look if you're back to you get paid
2: out if you back the runner up you don't get paid bad luck I imagine, you
0: know, yeah. I, imagine,
2: I imagine all i imagine all tv companies won't even go near there they won't even they won't even start counting for themselves
1: but what no, if it's so obvious that you couldn't, you can't, you couldn't avoid the big elephant and it, in the room? And
0: also, I mean, how awkward is it going to be? Like you say, it's not only just that in terms of the betting, that is obviously a huge factor and what a lot of people will be caring about as they're watching Ed Chamberlain try and explain one of these hypothetical shit shows we're talking about. But the other angle is kind of, you know, there they are giving it the big one when the horse comes into the winners' enclosure, trying <laughs> to make this like a huge moment of some young lad's life and some trainer's life and some owner's life. But then you've got the little asterisks. It's like, by the way, you're probably going to have the race taken yeah. off you. Go, oh, I'll hi. tell you what, yeah. tell if,
2: oh, you're, what a, if you're a punter and you like you're on that eleven limit or whatever, yeah, you're on the eleven limit. Every single punter who backed that horse, they go into the line, and say, "Go oh, give it another one, give it another one." Every single punter, you just know that in such a case,
0: okay, guys. Let's uh, we, we do want to get to the good questions. Do you yeah. want to give a very quick mention, TC to air because they've boosted yeah. their prize money for the Scottish National up at the higher levels again? And most people are delighted about this prize money boost, but I take it you're not.
2: I, I'd say it's 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 fashion now. I mean, they have given it an extra 50 grand to take up to 200 grand, which were the pre covid levels. So, this is probably not the greatest example. But I hate the idea of them chucking money at the, the top-end races uh, that you just know people are going to go for regardless of whether there's an extra 50 grand or whatever. It was a classic example recently, wasn't there? They put the Grand National Prize money up from 9.50 to a million as a PR kind of like just Yeah, that was a big PR thing. But just like, just go away. Just look, 50 grand, just taper it down, just filter oh. it down to the other races at that meeting you know, we talked about the we talked about the um, the, the drain going abroad because of, you know the um, race McAfee last week. Just yeah. give give the owners and the trainers and the jockeys at the lower level give them the incentives to stay in the sport
0: yeah now i can see that for sure i would agree with that in fact um let's move on to questions because we've got um, a handful of really good questions starting out with one from alex this is coming your way first kevin as i think you'll be best positioned of the three of us to answer this and um, alex has asked do any of the panel know when a horse would be introduced to the whip is it part of the training or something that comes with racing experience
1: um, like the actual whip that they'd meet in the race, like they'd they'd, they'd meet that when they're being broken in. Like a lot of trainers wouldn't; they'd only want them carried. They wouldn't want them used, you know, unless in extreme circumstances. Like ultimately, the effectiveness of the whip is is kind of centered on the fact that it's 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 not a regular thing that you know you're looking to get the the very last tiny percent of effort out of a horse at the end of the race. And if they're if they're seeing the whip, uh, if the whip is being used with regularity, you lessen that. Um, that that impact value um it, it was probably an inappropriate terminology um, but like but in terms of um like the whole the whole theory of kind of pressure and release with horses like a, a lot of young horses would see a lunge whip from from relatively early on um just in terms of being shown it and maybe getting a, a little like literally a tap um, you know, if you know, that's that's often how you deal with if a, if a young horse was being reluctant to walk into its stable, you know, it's a little bit dangerous to get behind a horse like that. So you use the, the lunge whip as an extension. and a lunge whip is just a very long whip, basically. You use it as an extension of your arm and literally just tap, 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 annoys the horse. You keep tapping until they move forward. As soon as they start moving forward, you stop. And the horses generally are able to work out, OK, they'll stop annoying me if I move forward. Yeah. And um, that's the kind of the basic and um, the, the basic thought behind that sort of exercise.
0: I mean Alex to and just to flesh that out in my experience of visiting um, loads of yards through my time, um, you'd very you'd nearly always see lads riding out carrying a whip and you'd so 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 rarely see it be used. Often on youngsters, it might be taps down the shoulder to encourage them forward, keep them straight. And so that would probably be their only introduction to the whip at home. In terms of being it being used behind the saddle, most trainers would absolutely hate or never want it used in that way at home. So the first time that it would be maybe used behind the saddle would be on a race course. And that's, of course, how you see when you see those younger horses reacting sort of left or right, because that's the first time they've probably been encouraged with the stick in that way, in that position. Um, Let's move on. Tony, we've got one for you. Beeler 75 has asked, could you, for a few minutes, for newer people to racing, explain the criteria for horses running in handicaps at Cheltenham ratings, age and number of runs to qualify, etc.?
2: Well, just look at the race conditions uh, in, in a very simple, manner. They've changed the rules this year at Cheltenham, where you have to race four times in in the better handicaps. Um, you know, to actually, uh,
1: novices, yeah, yeah,
2: to get a better handle on them. Uh, you know, to try and to try and negate the likes of State Man, etc. In previous years, but yeah, I mean, obviously, there's certain criteria that you've just got to meet, and it's in the race conditions. But this the only difference this year is that extra run for, for novices to for the handicapper to get a better idea of what they're capable of and stop grade one horses like State Man getting in off 142 for the likes.
1: Yeah, the, the exception is the Boodles. You still only need three runs for the Boodles. Um, but yeah, all the, other, all the other handicaps are four runs. Uh, and I think it's probably the right thing, to be honest. I, I, I ban novices, to be honest. I Think handicaps should be for handicappers myself, but um it would certainly add a bit more depth to those novice races, which which can which they often need it. If
2: ever a race needed more than about six qualifying rounds, it's probably the Boodles, let alone three. The price <laughs> had, the price been boring for that minimum.
1: Well, I um, think in, in seriousness, like I think the, those hand the big handicaps, the character of them will change a little bit because I think the year that's in it, it's going to be difficult for trainers to get four runs into the you know, the, the stateman type. Um, you know, proper winter horse. It's going to be difficult because a lot, a lot of these horses didn't start off quite a bit later this season. So even with the most, with the, the greatest will, it could be a struggle for those trainers to get four into them prior to Cheltenham. So well, I'm not anticipating a lot of novices and handicaps this year.
0: And this question then rolls on to our next question, TC, which is from Simon Curry, who yeah. asks: Is the Irish handicapper in Rich Ritchie's pocket? I mean, Gaelic Warrior. This could. <laughs> This could look all very embarrassing come March, as this beast definitely improved, especially when they changed three to four runs to qualify. Why can't English slash Irish handicappers work together all year round? Well,
2: i would looked into this because yesterday, as soon as we got this, I looked into it and Gaelic Warrior, we should have actually mentioned the Supreme Hurdle, actually, for, for reasons I'll come to in a moment, even though he's second favourite for the Ballymore. Now, Gaelic Warrior, I remember when we assessed or tried to assess that Tremor run, and Kevin was like um, that 86 length win at Tremor. And he was saying, you know, Kevin was making a joke, you know, on a strict form line, it should be higher than Constitution Hill. I'm reliably informed that Gaelic Warrior went up five pounds for that um, Boodle second, um, and to a mark of 134, and they've left him unchanged. In Ireland and the UK on the back of that, even though that tremor performance had all the time, all had all the time people absolutely purring, it you know, necessitated him being cut to the ballymore. So I, I I'm staggered they've left him on the mark of 134. When I spoke to Dan Barber this morning, uh time form of rating him 141p. They could have gone in any, any number higher. But to leave that horse on 134, and it's from what I can gather. The UK and the Irish handicappers have agreed on that. So what we'll find tomorrow we'll find out tomorrow, because the bet for Hurdle entries are made on Tuesday. Yeah. And I gather Gaelic well, Warren might be getting an entry there. And if he's off a mark of 134, <laughs> then I think you I think you are probably looking at the two to one face four. <laughs> Honestly, I think, if that is, honestly, if, if he's 134 over there and over here, and they've had... Oh, it no
1: question. He is Tony, totally, yeah? Yeah, over yeah, there. It's, but, it's I mean, not,
2: over here as well. Apparently, the UK handicapper agrees. They've totally ignored the Tremor run. And like some of the time analysts, uh, I think the likes of Simon Rolls and Graham North, et cetera, that I've read, were absolutely raving about the... And, and Andy Holding, I think, as well. Like, they're absolutely raving about that time performance at Tremor, even though it was 12s on, 86 length, beat nothing, non tries yeah. et cetera. Amazing. I, I think you are okay. looking at a 2 1 favourite for the for Hurdle come Tuesday afternoon if it, if it's entered.
0: Okay. One last question before we wrap up because we're already over the hour marker and people have to get on with their day. But Daniel Scott has asked Do any of you change your mind or reevaluate regarding tips and selections based on what one of the others on the podcast says, e.g., a pace angle or head gist that you hadn't considered? Or are you too headstrong/slash confident in your ability to trust your assessment? Jesus Daniel, I listen to all three of those boys on Racing Any Better and I flip-flop between all their selections because they all make compelling cases and then yeah, go around in circles half the time. But I don't think you guys, I don't ever get the impression you guys would change your selection given well, answer it, Kevin, you I, go first.
1: No, no, to be honest, like to be honest, like I don't really read or kind of listen to um any other race and preview content really kind of like to come out of something you know fresh um and yeah sure look if you can't kind of back your own opinion at this stage you probably shouldn't be you probably shouldn't be doing that sort of gig.
2: After listening to Dan's selections, I always put an in-running lay in at 103 on on Eastwood. That, that man can get <laughs> <people running. laughs>
0: He's not even here to defend himself. Oh, that
2: was a joke. I was just saying he does have, especially last year, he had some terrible bare feet, didn't he? He did. He
0: did. He did. In <sighs> fairness, um, J Ross Bet has asked uh, TC. You can have this one. Like to hear your comments on Paul Mulrennan's ride on Kraken Power last week.
2: Yeah, I mean, it looked absolutely horrendous. I've been trying to get the head on um, to, to actually get because you can't really you can't really kind of like have a balanced view of it unless you've got the head on. Uh, it's it, it was a typical Paul Monrennan ride at Newcastle. I had, went back and had a look at the horse. The horse is one from thirty-one, and it's had any number of rides from Monrennan at Newcastle very similar to that. Um, if he didn't get the gaps, then you could, there's not much you could do about it, but it's the exaggerated nature of it that made it look very, very bad. But what and the stewards did have him in and explanations were noted. But what I would say is, uh trying to be kind of like uh positive about this, and, and when the stewards have these people in and, and so say, oh, deny it a run, et cetera, et cetera. You can't really tell from the camera angles we get uh, on the on the video replays. What the what the stewards should do, they should embed into their stewards' report a head-on. Camera angle in, in, in situations like this, so whereby said, oh, consistently denied a run, and people, people punters will say, oh, yeah, yeah, of course he was. But if they actually embed the head-on video yeah. angle into that steward's report, punters who can go on the BHA site, click on that link, and say, yeah, you're right, actually, Mo Renan didn't get anywhere to go. We'll give him a pass here. Just, yeah. I'm, I'm nearly certain read. I've
1: seen him do that before. I'm nearly certain. That I've seen something, but I've seen something from the BHA like that before, which I agree is is very. No, that's, that's transparency. That's doing the job properly. Yeah, you, you have to be all in favour of that.
2: Kill all the old non because I've never known a reaction, and as, even on Twitter, to a, a ride like that. It was a it was a wash with with people just saying you know string it up etc. But you like, yeah. BHA have to do put the head on into the stewards report. Job done.
0: Yeah, the head-on, like the amount of times I'm on course, I get the standard replay, I get the slow-mo replay. I'm talking about the race, the race finish on Sky. And then literally the head-on comes about and it gives you a whole nother breadth of stuff to talk about because you see such such different um movements in the in the closing stages. And if if you're not somebody who can see that, then you will miss stuff in a finish that could then obviously be reported in a stewards inquiry. So that would be bloody useful for everyone. And yeah, transparency is key as we always bang on about. Uh, one to sign off the show with. Robert Hayne has asked, over the fest- festive period... I saw a trailer for a Cheltenham preview podcast in which the host described contributors Barry Garrity and Tony Keenan as the best in the business. How, therefore, would the host of Wade In podcast describe its contributors? (laughs) Probably the second best in the business, Robert.
1: Uh.
0: (laughs) I, I joke, I joke, I joke. The best in the business. Look... I get to work with some excellent people with differing views on a variety of <laughs> platforms. Okay, and if they
1: pay you money, you're calling the best in the business. Yeah, hey,
0: people in glass houses, Kevin Blake. You're not allowed to make
2: those <laughs> points. All right. <laughs> You call me overweight and overpaid. That, that's what I right here
0: <laughs> Yeah, I mean, if, if you watch the show, that's I'm definitely
2: not underappreciated. Anyway,
0: <laughs> if you watch the show, TC, I will not name the show. But if you watch the show, then yeah, you'd see that sort of uh... way. I only,
2: I only watch it to see how Tony Tony Keenan's hair buds are coming along. Oh, stop! Stop! <laughs> He's obsessed. <laughs> People are I, some. Yeah. I, was, I was hoping for some for Christmas. None People kind. are always <laughs> obsessed with the
0: things they don't have. Poor Tony <laughs> Right, that wraps up the show, guys. That was week one of Footsteps of the Festival. Week two, next week, we'll be looking at day two of the festival, I am sure. But for now, thank you very much for listening and watching. As always, do get in touch with the show and have a very good week.